Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you on Oilers Now. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Again, you can text us at any time at 780 496 0063. We were dealing sort of in the concept of, hey, what had happened if COVID-19 hadn't occurred here and we'd be starting the playoffs today? What would your lineups be for the Edmonton Oilers? Who would you start in goal? What would the D pairings be? I suggested I'd start Koskinen with the confidence of knowing that Smith can come off the bench and uh, supply Edmonton with uh, good goaltending uh, based upon his history of doing so for other teams. We've got several. The majority of the texts are on the actual Oilers lineup. I just want to hit on something quickly here that Michael sent in. Uh, text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. He says, Bob, I just wanted to say for your uh, MMA UFC fans, the Ronda Rousey biography on Netflix was interesting. Um, you know what I watched last night? It was on TSN. Um, and, uh, you know, Chuck and Tito. I don't know how many people saw that. I'm the first to admit that I was slow to warm to the UFC and the whole mixed martial arts, but I thought it was an exceptionally well done. Uh, of course, it was ESPN 30 for 30, so you know it's going to be well done, but I thought it was excellent. So keep the text coming. At this time, though, we're pleased to be joined on the long by a longtime NHL player, uh, once an NHL general manager for several years in the business as a top flight agent, now with the NHL Network. Our headliner today is Brian Lawton for touchback safety. Touchback remains open for training and is taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Doing great, Bob. How are you? Uh, we're hanging in there. You know, we're battling through it every day. You know, it's uh, we're staying safe and we're staying at home. My kids have been out you ready for this? Uh, other than outside the vehicle, they have been out once for five minutes in a store in the last three and a half weeks. So um, the only uh, we've uh, we've ordered in a bunch and uh, there's obviously companies are being flexible during these difficult times. And I will tell you, Brian, that relatively speaking, Alberta has tested a lot and has very low rates of COVID-19. Uh, and uh, so we obviously got to continue down the path because we are we're fighting a major challenge right now, to say the least. 
Yeah, that's great to hear. And I could report the same things from Minnesota. I think we're literally the maybe the second or third best state in the United States in terms of, you know, people really taking seriously social distancing. Number of cases are, you know, I just got off the phone with a friend of mine in New York, and he was telling me about 15 people that were workers in a hospital his wife works at that have passed away. So it's a completely different look and feel, that's for sure. Uh, as of last night, I think there were over 180. The U.S. is now over 400,000 COVID-19 cases, Brian. And I believe 180,000, the last time I checked, uh, were between New York State, which was at about 140,000, and New Jersey, which is at 40,000. And, you know, we should establish that there was over 5 million people that left Wuhan uh, just before they shut the city down. And New York had, uh, someone had suggested to me uh, that New York State alone had over 15,000 people from Wuhan come in between basically January 3rd or 4th until whenever Trump shut things down. So there's, there's certain places where there's a lot of international travel, where there's been greater challenges and maybe some quieter markets that don't have the same international challenges. But it does remain a huge issue in the states. And in spite of the, relatively speaking, smaller success stories in places like Edmonton and St. Paul, the fact of the matter is the NHL has 31 partners and New York and even Montreal and Canada right now is going through a tough time, Brian. And this is part of the reason why we're not really sure moving forward what's going to happen here, are we? No, we're not. I mean, and just to put some perspective to that, Bob, you think about New York and <clears throat> what's located in New York. I don't know, the league offices for the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NASCAR. You can keep going. It's obviously an epicenter in terms of sports, not only the coronavirus. So it's kind of interesting when you consider that uh from the people that I've spoken at some of those different leagues, because I do have a company that works in sports, uh, all those people are still in that area. They're getting a full dose of what's going on on a daily basis, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's difficulties at times, Brian, sort of battling through what might some people, you know, the issue has become a little bit, well, it's a lot politicized in the U.S. I don't think it is as much uh, politicized in, in Canada right now. Um, and we all love our hockey, and we know that this thing's got to get under control. Uh, would it be fair to say that maybe Gary Bettman's kind of working on uh, a couple different streams? And one of the streams may theoretically be we start the NHL 2020-21 season in November and get a full season in and get it finished by the end of June and eliminate three weeks from the regular season by not having a bye week and not having an all-star break. So that is, you know, a long-term, look, worst-case scenario here. We're back at it by November. And I, and I know there's going to be people texting the show, Brian, saying, Bob, you can't do that because it might quiet down in the summer and then COVID-19 might pick up again in the fall. But my guess is Bettman's probably looking at something like that. And then, conversely, looking at a way to finish off this season as well. Do you think that's a possibility? I do. I think he's looking at every possibility, you know, but the goalposts are moving all the time. That's the difficulty, not only for the National Hockey League, but all these sports. Um, it's not a position you want to be in right now, quite frankly, in terms of being the commissioner of one of these sports, because 
This is an incredibly sensitive issue. I really like the job the National Hockey League has done in recognizing that, being very stringent in uh, what they've done, even canceling the season. Uh, I think they've done an excellent job of playing that very smart. It's going to get more challenging, though, as difficult as it's been, because we truly don't know, and, and nobody wants to go back and reopen the season and have some type of setback be associated with any league. I'm not talking about the NHL. I'm talking about any sports league. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. Um, But it's got to be nerve-wracking for players, for owners, for league offices, and for fans that just, you know, miss the game. One thing's for certain to me, in the United States, I can't speak for Canada, not having sports, is one of the more talked about topics down here by people. Like it's been felt in a really, really big way. Obviously we canceled the Masters, that's a big event in the US, Uh, college basketball, Uh, you add in our livelihood, the National Hockey League, the delaying of MLB, NBA on hold as well. Uh, It's been significant here and I think ultimately it's going to raise the value of content from all of these leagues and sports. Uh, that, that will be one probably positive that comes out of this because networks have been besieged with open airtime and they have not been happy about it. We're joined by Brian Lawton. He is our Oilers Now headliner for touchback safety. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. It's interesting. Uh, there are reports, uh, you know, the EPL in a position where several of the teams actually, just in terms of how that league works, not everybody has got an unlimited pocketbook like, say, Manchester City or, or traditionally as profitable maybe as, uh, or I don't, I don't even know if traditionally profitable, but as powerful of, you know, organizations as Man United or Liverpool. Um, and they're very dependent upon television money. That said, the National Hockey League is still a gate-driven league at this time, Brian. And you know what? We need fans to come to the games as well. Uh, so there needs to be a balance. In a perfect world, yeah, you can drive more money for your TV revenue, but it goes without saying that, you know, this is still a, an event that is, you know, the fans play a massive part of them are going to have to find a way to facilitate a safe mechanism in place uh, so that, uh, uh, you know, we get fans back in the building. And, and I, I do believe, Brian, myself, it's going to be the same, a little bit similar situation than when we came out of the 0405 lockout. I think in Canadian markets where hockey's first, even given the financial challenges that are out there, that for the most part, the, I, I think there's going to be a greater challenge, put it this way, in some U.S. markets where maybe hockey's third or fourth than in Canada where hockey's one. And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm ignorant to how much financial challenges are really out there. I'd just like to get your thoughts on that. I think it would be an intelligent way to think about it that the, some of the smaller markets or the markets that are a little bit more challenged to get fans on a nightly basis are going to be sluggish to come back. Uh, Here in Minnesota, that won't be the case. People are dying to have hockey back again, and excuse the horrific pun there, but but people would very much like to see sports back. Uh, It's an important part of the community. Some other places for all sports, I I think it will be more challenging, and, and I think those are things that 
uh, all the sports are looking at. Uh, the EPL, interestingly, Bob, is they have tremendous strength in their TV revenues. I just got off the phone with a, a person that owns a team over there. But they spend money like drunken sailors over there, too. Everybody's heard about the transfer fees and things like that. And there's a number of those businesses um, that many people consider in jeopardy already. And, you know, certainly in the lower leagues, we've seen some bankruptcies and things like that. Is that going to eventually extend over here to a league like the NHL? Not in my opinion, no. I think we're in a really good spot that way in terms of the depth of the ownership, but uh, there will be some challenges in the future for some of the markets that aren't necessarily um, as strong as some of the other ones. We're joined by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. So, Brian, uh, we had Rich Winter on the show yesterday, and Rich sort of uh, talked about an idealistic perspective moving forward in the world, not just in hockey. And then I said, well, Rich, you're going on a conference call at the NHLPA. How would they be to, say, a 25% rollback on salaries? Uh, and that is being discussed in, in other leagues, including the EPL. Uh, you were a longtime uh, representative players. Uh, if we don't play this year, Brian, and logic would say you have to have a pragmatic approach to things, maybe we're looking at $4 billion in HRR instead of $5 billion. In theory, that would mean the players would be split in $2 billion instead of $2.5 billion and maybe knocking theoretically a cap down from 81 to say for the sake of argument maybe 70 million dollars how hard of a sell do you think it would be uh from the league to get the players to theoretically roll back even and, and i don't even know if there's a mechanism uh, current mechanism to do so or maybe it'd have to be applied in, in form of escrow moving forward so i'd like to get your thoughts on that uh, certainly topics that are starting to be talked about more lately. And, you know, once upon a time, there was the shock and awe rollback of 24% way back when in hockey. Of course, you know, and I've heard both sides of this. Uh, there's some players that have made the statement that the reason that revenues eventually were reduced from 57% down to 50 was that ownership groups uh, bore some of the more of the risk. So eventually we changed it to 50-50. You know, now I'm hearing those players, you know, call me because obviously I was an agent and a player, but also worked in management and said, what do you think? I wasn't privy to those conversations at that time, so I don't know what was said. But I'm hearing all kinds of stories about that sort of stuff. And, you know, so how does that dovetail with rolling back? I, I think that players will, players are such good people in general. And, and I think they're very thankful for the livelihoods that they have, that there will be certainly some room to work with the National Hockey League. I don't know if it would equate to that much, but ultimately I see a compromise by both sides because the salary cap was never really designed to have that kind of a fallback or regression. It's just not something that either side really put a lot of time and effort to. It was more about the growth factor and how positive the outlook was for the National Hockey League when they did this last deal in 12 and 13. And for the most part, that's all come true until this point. 
So it's a lot of moving pieces. I couldn't tell you how it's going to end up, but I can tell you there's going to be a lot of heated discussion from both sides. We're joined by Brian Lott. Brian, just before we get to the playoffs here and now and, and, and another theoretical, I just want to get back. When you broke into the NHL and were playing for the Minnesota North Stars, I want to, I, I, before I get to your playoff experience, I just want to ask you about a guy we may have discussed him once before. Do you remember Ken Solheim? I do remember Ken quite well. He was a very tall blonde-haired, soft-spoken guy that he was a left wing on our team and and I got to know him and he was a terrific human being. I always thought uh, and I saw him play with the Medicine Hat Tigers when I was like 15 years of age and I thought this guy is going to be a star in the NHL. I think that was the year he scored like, I don't know, he might have had 60 goals in the Western Hockey League but I I just I, I remember that he was in and around Minnesota at that time and uh didn't really pan out for him the way you know the way uh, I think a lot of people thought back in the day. What do you recall about the first playoff experience you had as a player, and how different it was from regular season hockey to playoff hockey? Uh, it was incredibly different back then. There was a little bit more shen- shenanigans on a nightly basis, and yet when you got to the playoffs, as long as the games were close, the The contests were so tightly contested on a nightly basis and so important in the players' eyes that it actually eliminated a lot of those shenanigans. And it made for great hockey, and it made for great times to be playing. For me, it was by far uh, the most exciting part of the season, Uh, nothing even remotely compared to it. All that really mattered was winning. And nobody cared about settling scores or cheap shots or things like that. It just it really cleaned the game up. I thought it was a great time. Um, I wish the regular season had been more like that. It traditionally wasn't, obviously. But uh, for me, I just uh, I absolutely never had more fun playing hockey than playing in the playoffs. It was just, you know, winner take all. All right. And who would have been a better matchup, theoretically, for the Edmonton Oilers, in your opinion? The Calgary Flames or the Vancouver Canucks this year? And we still might end up seeing that. And it might depend on, you know, do they retroactively go back to the 68 game mark for every team? Um, and how do they do that? Do they just, like, the Oilers are at 71, so they take away their last three games, or do they take away their first three games? Because if they take away their first three, Edmonton would be third and Vancouver would be second. And if they take away the last three games of the regular season to get to 68 games, the Oilers would be second and Calgary would be third. So I'd like to know who you think might be a better matchup for Edmonton. I think that Edmonton matches up pretty well with both those teams. Um, Ultimately, I personally think that Calgary is a better matchup. And some of that has to do with it's just the... The probability of winning is a little bit higher, in my opinion, for Edmonton, number one. Um, But number two would just be such a compelling series. (laughs) I think everybody would like to see that series. I would take Edmonton in either one of those series, but uh, they're the type of series that literally will be six or seven games for certain. Neither team will dominate the other one by enough to close it out sooner than that. And uh, ultimately, I would... I would be standing in the corner of the Oilers coming out on top, but it could go either way. It would be a great series. Not quite a pick but as close to as you can get to that level.
Would you start Koskinen or Smith to start the series? It's a great question. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the ramp-up time. And, you know, Mike Smith's always in great shape, but he is 36 years old. He's 36 or older. I'll have to check that now as, as your mind wanders from the game. But the fact of the matter is I would probably start the veteran. Um, Smitty's 38 now, not 36. So, yeah, I would probably still go with Smitty to start. I just think you want him in there. He does so much to change the game in the defensive zone in terms of his puck handling ability. And he would be well rested, so I would come to the conclusion to go with Mike Smith. Brian, as always, uh, we appreciate your time and stay safe. And we look forward to hooking up next week. Okay. Sounds good, Bob. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. It is twelve fifty-two in Edmonton. I didn't know this about Brian. Uh, he spent part of a season playing for the Springfield Indians in the American Hockey League in 1984-85. He played on a team. Scott Housen was on that team. But he played with a guy out of Red Deer, Alberta, that once got the best of Mark Messier early in Messier's NHL career back in 1979-80. This guy played for the Flin Flon Bombers in the Western Hockey League. He was a tough middleweight and uh, he opened uh, Mark up pretty good one time in a scrap see if uh, somebody can figure out who it is I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You can text us at 780-496-0063. It's 12.53 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot, Mike. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you. We have smart listeners to this show because I asked you a tough one, and I mean a real tough one. Wanted to see uh, how you'd uh, do. You can text us again at 780-496-0063. I mentioned that Brian Lawton was a member of the 1984-85 Springfield Indians. Lawton was the number one overall pick in the 83 draft. He got sent down in his second year with the Minnesota North Stars organization, split affiliation, uh, and went to play for Lauren Henning in Springfield with the Indians, a team that, that was the New York Islanders farm team. So guys like Alan Kerr were on that team. You remember him uh, being a hard-nosed, tenacious uh, middleweight. Um, 
and uh, Scott Housen, who was an Islanders uh, draft pick, uh, was on that team, was one of their top scorers that season. Anyhow, uh, Ken Solheim briefly was on that team that year and was pretty much a point-per-game player, as was Lawton at the AHL level. I said there was a player on that team uh, who had a cup of coffee, and this was towards the end of his uh, pro career. Uh, a former member of the Flin Flon Bombers from Red Deer, Alberta, hard-nosed player when he played for Flin Flon, scored 50 goals one year for the Bombers in 77-78, played for the Winnipeg Jets, his first year pro, last year in the World Hockey Association, and then spent uh, the next two seasons with the Detroit Red Wings. And this guy had a legendary fight with Mark Messier. The player was five foot ten, about 180 pounds, and he could chuck him. Let's not forget, Mark Messier was 18 at the time when that fight occurred. Uh, the player involved was 21 for Detroit. And it took probably about seven or eight texts for somebody to get this right. The correct answer was Glenn Hicks. And uh, I remember that was, and Mark would, would, you know what, if you hit Mark on the nose, he might bleed once in a while. And Jim Pavese did well against Mark Messier as well. Uh, Messier conversely destroyed some guys during the course of his uh, NHL career as well. Mark knew how to get the, the first punch. You want to win a fight, often you got to land the first punch, and Mark had quick hands and he could hurt you. And I remember even as late as 1987-88, he fought Gary Roberts twice in one game, and Gary Roberts was no pushover, and, uh, you know, Messier did pretty well in both scraps. All right, 12.58 in Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update. More on the COVID-19 pandemic with Eileen Bell. A reminder, 2 o'clock today, Jalen Nye picks it up with 6.30 Chet Afternoons. David Staples, who's been all with him, uh, work with the Edmonton Journal, has been all over the COVID-19 pandemic. And we'll hit on a bunch of Oilers stuff as well when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.